Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Good morning, everyone. As we begin to celebrate this Rejoicing Sunday, just a little more than halfway through Lent, we wear rose or uh, pink, the color kind of of new life, in this otherwise very purple and uh, Lenten time. It's a reminder to us that our penances are moving towards something that's going to be bright and beautiful and new life, if we do them right, anyway. And so for the times where we have failed to live our penances or just to live in the life of God, let us call to mind our sins. This weekend is the last of the Ten Commandments series. Uh, We're doing both the Ninth and the Tenth Commandment today uh, to finish up the series that started last Lent and got about half the commandments last year, and now we're doing the second half this year. And the two commandments that we're talking about this morning are, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's goods. That's the tenth one. Good. All right. So those are the two commandments. The reading for the weekend, the prodigal son, is actually rather appropriate for talking about these commandments because of what happens in the story. It's about wanting things that aren't yours from different perspectives. So the the story goes that we all know. There's a young man, a young son, who goes to his dad and says, whenever you're going to die, I'm going to get half of your stuff, right? And dad goes, yes. And he says, well, can I just have it now instead? Kids, don't try that on your parents. (laughs) The father says, sure. Imagine that. Imagine going to your retirement account or selling one of your two vehicles. Imagine giving half of everything you own to one of your children right now and then, and then watching them run away with it, that money. I mean, think about it. If, if a kid comes to their dad and says that or parent and says that, it's like they're saying, I don't want to wait until you die. You're already dead to me. It's reckless, totally reckless. So the father recklessly says yes, and the son goes off and squanders the money on things that don't belong to him anyway, prostitutes, gambling, whatever. And then as he's out there in the world doing the wrong things, he comes to his senses and says, man, uh, I don't have any money left, and dad was pretty nice to me before. Maybe if I just go back home, he'll at least treat me like a hired servant. Maybe I'll at least get to stay in the guest house, even if I can't have my room back. And so he does. He heads back home. And while he's still a long way off, the scripture says, a long way off, the father has already been looking for him, runs out and meets him halfway. The son begins to say, I don't deserve anything, but the father stops him before he can say, I want to be treated as a slave. And the father says, no, you're back, you're mine, let's throw a party. Now, think about this. If the father already gave this son his inheritance, whose inheritance is left? The other sons. And so when he throws a party by giving him a ring and a vestment and a sheep to eat, whose ring and clothing and food is that? The other sons, right? The other guy, the other boy who's been at home and not did anything wrong, he knows all the stuff that's left, it's all mine. I mean, he's already seen, like, he saw that ring went away, but this ring stayed, and he kind of liked that ring better anyway. And so he's been counting this, right? This other guy's been gone. And so then the dad throws a giant party, and not surprisingly, the son says, I'm not going to that party. You just took all my things for this son who stinks, you know? I hate that guy. 
And so he won't come in. The father then runs out of the house and says, where are you? To the older son. And the older son says, recklessly, I refuse to celebrate. I won't party. Even though it's his stuff, and the only way he's going to enjoy that fattened calf is if he goes to the celebration. If not, he doesn't even get a bite of it. Reckless, you know? Now, the word prodigal actually means reckless. And we always talk about this being the prodigal son. Most of the time, we think it's the first guy, the first son. He's the reckless one. Who would ask their parents for money and then go blow it? But really, you could say all three of the characters are reckless, aren't they? The first son, because he blows the money. The dad, because he takes the son back. Or because he even lets him have it to begin with. It's reckless. Or the older son, because he's recklessly not coming back and to celebrate the party. You know, this recklessness, it's all rooted in wanting things that are not ours, isn't it? I want this. It's not mine. I'm going to try to figure out a way to take it. Or I want revenge, like the older son crosses his arms and won't come to the celebration. That's reckless. And it's because we're, we're using our eyes to try to get things that don't belong to our heart. And that's what these two commandments are about. The first of the two today, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife. You know, a lot of this was actually covered under the sixth commandment of adultery, not wanting what's not yours, not wanting a person who's not yours. But this is more specifically in the catechism, talks about modesty. The catechism says to paragraph 2521, purity, if you want to be pure, it requires modesty because modesty protects the intimate center of the person, the catechism says. It, re- it means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. Refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. Or in the next paragraph, modesty protects the mystery of the person and their love. Years ago, there was a uh, St. John Paul II when he was going through St. Peter's Square. Big crowds, you know. Some guy, some crazy man, some reckless man, ran up to the Holy Father, to the Pope, with a playboy and opened up the magazine to a centerfold to a woman who was naked and held it up in the Pope's face. Can you imagine, can you imagine doing that? No. The answer is no. Don't ever imagine doing that. <laughs> they held up that to the Pope at St. Peter's in front of everybody. And he screamed to the Pope, See, Holy Father, isn't she showing you too much? The Pope broke through the security walked over to the man, grabbed his top hand, which was holding at the top of the magazine, and lowered it so he could see the man's face. And he said, no, she's not showing us nearly enough of who she truly is. Not showing us enough of who she truly is. It protects, modesty protects the mystery of who the person really is. You know, to... To look at someone and lust after them that's not your spouse or to lust after someone who's just not yours in in general. It's to take from them something that they did not give to you. It's stealing. It's to covet. That's what the definition of the commandment is. A mentor of mine once told me, if you don't notice someone attractive walking by, then you're probably not a human being, right? Because we notice, like, God made us longing for people to connect uh, in in an intimate way. But then he said... If you look too long, or if you look twice, then you're probably not a real man. If you look twice, you're not a real man. That's what respecting is, re-inspect. So it's specter, which is to look, and re is to do something again. To respect someone is to look twice at them, which is why your parents say, like, you better show me some respect, which makes you look twice, right? 
because it makes you realize who they really are. We need to do that. And the catechism, the final piece of this, the catechism says that teaching modesty to children is teaching them how to respect other people. Teaching them modesty about themselves teaches them how to respect other people too. Because if they respect their own body, they respect other people's bodies. It's a beautiful thing we need to teach that. The Tenth Commandment, and this one's quick too. These are easy this morning. Not easy always to do, but easy to kind of cover. Is don't cover your neighbor's goods. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that's a good place to start evaluating yourself. What do I spend the most time thinking about every day? You know, recently I, I downloaded a game onto my phone. It's a board game that I like. And I thought, oh, what's the harm in that, right? Not good, okay? I downloaded this board game, and I played it a few times in one day, and I played it once the next day, and the third day I played it a couple times. And, you know, they're not long games, and they don't, they're not, it's not bad. It's just a board game. But I noticed myself, like when I had downtime, driving down the road or something, I'd be thinking about a move that I could make on this board game so that I could win it next time better. And I thought, I have much better things to be thinking about, don't I? Now, to some degree, we also just need a little bit of, I don't know, levity or a diversion from the seriousness of life. But we've got to be careful at where our heart is, that's where we're going to go. Our mind is going to be directed. There's a good story here. You might have heard of this joke before. There was a rich man, a rich old man, that before he died, God appeared to him and said, when you go to heaven, I'll let you take one suitcase with you because you've been so good on earth with stewarding possessions. I'll let you take one suitcase to heaven with you when you die. He said, but make sure you have it ready when you go. And so the man went around his house and went to the bank and he grabbed all the gold he could find and stuck it in a suitcase. So when he died, he could take that bag to heaven with him. Well, the man does die. He goes to heaven, he gets to the gates and St. Peter says, what's in the bag? And he says, it's between me and God. You know, don't worry about it. And Peter says, no, um, everything that you need, we've, we've provided it for you. It's the best suite in the house. We've got your clothes and your food and everything you need. Your iPhone charger, it's all in there, okay? You don't need to bring a bag. No bag is allowed in heaven. And the guy says, no, God and I had an arrangement. He said, I could bring one bag. I had it packed. This is my bag. And Peter says, no. So the guy says, you go check with Jesus. Peter goes and gets Jesus and brings him back to the gates of heaven. This is not a true story. He goes back, gets back to the gates of heaven. And Jesus is standing there. And he says, I see you brought your bag. And he says, what did you decide to bring with you? And the old rich man opens his bag and shows all this gold, right? And then Peter looks at Jesus and says, why would this man have brought road pavement to heaven? It's too early, isn't it? Roads are paved in gold? Okay. What we value here often is not what's valued eternally. Far too often it's not what's valued. Sometimes it is. When we value family, that'll be valued forever. When we value generosity, devotion, the saints, that'll be valued forever. But too often our minds get limited on things that don't matter here on earth. In fact, St. John Chrysostom says, paragraph 2538 of the Catechism, we fight one another over things. We envy arms against one another. If everyone strives to unsettle the body of Christ, then where shall we end up? He says, we are engaged in making Christ's body a corpse by coveting. We're going after, I want this thing. It's, the Catechism also says it's like doctors who want to spread disease so they have business, or lawyers hoping that people break the law, or business people hoping that some of their businesses fail so they can make more sales. That's coveting in our hearts. And we've got to be careful of that. St. Augustine said, you want to see God glorified by you? Then rejoice in your brother or sister's progress 
and immediately by rejoicing in their progress, you will give glory to God. Finally, the, the last piece here is paragraph 2544. The precept of detachment from riches is obligatory for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It's not that you can't have money or things. It's that you can't make them your God. Because if you do, you won't think about the one who matters the most. I hope that you learned something in this series about the Ten Commandments. I think it's very interesting. If you're curious about more, just check the catechism out. If we all can begin to only want what is actually ours in every way, maybe all the commandments actually might be fulfilled. And like the characters in the story, or unlike the characters in the story, maybe we won't end up reckless, but get to celebrate the feast forever in heaven.